morning, Governor Colley. Good morning, Board Member. Um, it's a uh, privilege to introduce our speaker for this morning, the Reverend Andrew Russell. Andrew was born in Nassau, Bahamas, and moved to the United States in 1994. He's been involved in urban ministry for 18 years. He graduated from Covenant College in 2006, following the common trajectory of biology to economics, to business, to pastoral ministry. Um, he received his Master's of Divinity from Redeemer Seminary in Dallas in 2015. He is currently an assistant pastor at Grace Downtown in Washington, D.C., where he leads the music ministry, outreach efforts, connect team, and helps shepherd community groups. He and his wife, Stephanie, have four children and one on the way. Um, we have four spots open in lunch, if you are interested in collaboration with the United African Presbyterian, there's going to be interested, so come on over. Um, please give a warm Scots welcome to Reverend Andrew Russell. Oh my goodness, good morning, Covenant College. I got my stop, stopwatch on, make sure that I'm on time. Uh, man, I gotta give several shout outs. First of all, I wanna shout out uh, suburbs, where y'all at? All right, five points. Hey, my hall named you guys. Ask me later for the story, so I'll tell you that story. I wanna give a shout out to all the professors who poured into me. Uh, we got. Dr. Provendam, y'all give it up for Dr. K. Uh, Daphne Haddad, uh, and, and particularly the Arabic students class. Uh, Want to give a shout out to Prince and Julia. Y'all know who that is? Or Roy and Julia. They told me to, to give them a shout out. Um, before I get into this message, uh, my, I have a, a two-year-old son. His name is Elijah. He has three cavities, and right now, at this moment, well, in about 20-something minutes, uh, the dentist is going to give him three fillings. And so let's pray for him right now. My wife, has, my wife is pregnant with the fifth. She has four. She's by herself in the dentist's office. So let's, let's pray for right now, okay? <laughs> All right? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, be with Stephanie, oh God. Help her. Send help from on high in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to read the passage today, oh, to this, this afternoon, whatever day this is, um, from Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 24 to the end. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Jacob le was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the, for the dawn is breaking. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he had said, I had seen God face to face, and yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel and was limping on his thigh. 
Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. Real quick story, you know, I uh, want to give a shout out to Dr. Henry Krabadam. I'm here today because of him. And one of my uh, first time, I, my first sermon was in Uganda. And so I, I want to encourage any student who is thinking about the things of God, see Henry Krabadam because Uganda changed my life. So my first sermon I, I wrote on repentance and I, I'm, I'm, Krabadam gave me his John Calvin commentaries and I'm, I'm, I'm searching the commentaries, I'm writing my first sermon and I was like, I gotta have a, 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 you know, a catchy intro, right? So I, I, I go to this church and the Ugandans are Holy Spirit filled, charismatic to the nth degree, apostolic, all of that stuff. And they said, welcome from America. Andrew Russell, and, I, and it, it was like they had like Tim Keller or uh, Joe Novenson or Randy Neighbors or Tony Evans. Like I felt the weight of trying to represent all American preachers, right? So they, they called my name and they were like, welcome Andrew Russell, and it was like And so I came up and I, and, I, and I preached my sermon and I used an illustration from Idi Amin to try to be relevant. And, after, and they were listening, and then I started to preach, and then these Holy Spirit-filled Ugandan people fell asleep. So my prayer today is, uh, if Holy Spirit-filled Ugandan people fall asleep, I pray that you don't fall asleep this, this morning. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever flown on a plane where there were a lot of empty seats? Uh, and there's a lot of empty seats around you, and then someone si decides to sit next to you. And for some people, that might, you know, for, that, that could be very annoying, right? I mean, you look at all these seats and you want to sit next to me. Now imagine that person sitting next to you, talking to you, asking you questions, and then challenging your answers. I think for many of us, that would be the worst plane ride ever, right? We, we want to be left alone. We want to be comfortable. We want to put our headphones on. We want to lay back. Like, just leave me alone. Let me fly in peace. And I think a lot of times in our spiritual lives, we, we bring the same attitude to God. We don't want a God who sits next to us, who asks us questions and challenges our answers. And if God is going to reveal himself, we, we would prefer that it be in a present mailed to us, preferably via Amazon Prime, so you know you get it in two days. So this package comes to your front doorstep, and you open it, and God comes out, and then you're like, God, I want to ask you, you know, what's the meaning of life? You know, uh, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, why, why all this suffering? You know, wh why don't you come to my aid when I need you most? Now, Scripture does give an answer to all of those questions, but my friends, that being that we would like to be God is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible interrupts our plans. The God of the Bible challenges us. The God of the Bible sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Because he's his own person. He's his own person filled with his own ideas. He has his own will, his own views. Scripture says that he dwells in heaven and he does what he pleases. And in Genesis 32, we get a picture of what it's like to see God face to face and live to tell about it. We get Jacob's near-death experience where God visits him in an unusual way for the purpose of his transformation. 
And so if you don't get anything this morning, I want you to get this, that God wants to transform you by giving you a new name and a new purpose, and he will even wrestle you to achieve this. Now, before we visit the text, we need to understand the context of, of Jacob's struggle uh, in, in, in light of the overall story. I'm sorry, of God's struggle with Jacob in light of his overall story. So Jacob was born out of struggle. Uh, you know the story that Rebecca, Jacob's mother, was barren, and she prayed that God would, would give her a child, and God heard her cries and said that you will have twins, but these, two, these twins, these two boys, represent two nations that will war against each other, and, and this na the nation of Israel and the na nation of Edom. And so uh, when Esau comes out, he's the firstborn. The Bible says in Genesis 25 that Esau was the first to come out. He was red and hairy. And then there was this hand on the heel. And that, that baby was Jacob. And Jacob was grabbing the heel of his brother Esau. And so Jacob actually means heel grabber, deceiver, supplanter. And so the origins of Jacob and Esau are the origins of these two nations at war with each other. And Jacob, you know the story, would acquire Esau's birthright by taking advantage of, 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 of Isaac's hunger. And Isaac would bless Jacob instead of Esau. And then when Esau heard this, he wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob ran to his uncle Laban in Padan Aram. And so Jacob comes back from Padan Aram, and he, and he comes back home. And, and his servants say, oh my goodness, Jacob, Esau has 400 men with him. And so Jacob prays in the middle of the night. He says, Lord, please deliver me from Esau. Please deliver me. Now we can all relate to this. We've had moments in our lives where we know we would be facing someone who we have wronged. And we, we don't know how to react when they saw us. And Jacob knew that Esau had every right to kill him. And so uh, God answers his prayer in the most unusual way. God initiates a struggle with Jacob that lasted all night. God literally came down from heaven to fight with Jacob. And now, this, this is kind of strange because remember, Jacob was like, Lord, you know, Esau is coming to get me. Please deliver me. I'm afraid. And you would think that God would help him in his circumstance, but God wrestles with him. I mean, what is that about? He doesn't say anything. The Bible says he came at night, he picks a fight with him in the middle of the night. Now, why would God do this? Why does God come down to wrestle with Jacob before he would face the biggest struggle of his life? I believe that God wanted to deal with Jacob personally. Many of us wonder, you know, why, why is God hidden? We may ask, if God is real, then why doesn't he show himself? How can I know a God who is invisible? This question is at the very heart of religion, the knowledge of God. Our view of God is not contrived or made up. Our view of God comes from God himself. God must reveal himself to us. You know, God initiated this struggle. Jacob didn't ask for God to fight with him. And we know God exists because of God reveals himself in two ways. We know general revelation. We know we, we learned that right through nature. God reveals himself, and then through special revelation, God reveals himself through his word. And 2 Timothy 3 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, let me ask you, let me, let me just say this. 
If Christianity is false and made up, then why would a church devise a religion that corrected them, that reproved them, that held them accountable, that interfered with their way of life? The fact that God can wrestle with Jacob proves that God is independent of the will of man. He is the final authority and he deals with people personally. You know, God isn't some force out there. He is a person and he will wrestle with you. Have, have you ever been dealt like this? Has God ever dealt with you like this? Has God ever wrestled with you in the middle of the night where you can't even sleep? For many of us, we would say that yes, God is wrestling with me and you might feel like God has beaten you down and I'm already down. And yes, God does want to humble you, but he also wants to give you confidence and courage. God's grace is found in the midst of struggle and when God touches Jacob and dislocates his hip, Jacob holds on to God and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever prayed, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you fulfill your promise in, in my life. You said, that, uh, uh, you said in your word, oh God, that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, I'm struggling to be godly, but I believe your promises. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go, oh God, until you said that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering. God, I, I don't have love. I don't have peace. I don't have long-suffering. I won't let you go until you bless me. And the beauty of that prayer, the beauty of it is that we all struggle. You know, I, I, I was a student here at Covenant College, and I struggled. I struggled with, in relationships. Uh, I struggled in my classes, I got kicked out of class. I, I took accounting three times. Um, you know, I felt the pressure to get married, you know, when I was a senior. Um, I struggled. I remember walking some of these trails in tears, just asking God, Lord, help me. Covenant is expensive. Yeah, you know, we know that, right? But God made a way. And so I know this is being recorded. There, there, there's scholarships out there, amen. And so it might be expensive, but God can make a way out of no way. But I struggle, and I'm a songwriter, and, and so for me, anytime I would struggle, I, I write music. I, I, I was in my dorm room, in, in dorm room number 308, in, 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 uh, on, the, on the third floor of McClellan, I believe. Anybody live in 308? Is that room still there? Okay. Really? Man, 308. So me, Morell, and Michael Jester, we, uh, we formed our own R&B and hip-hop group in room 308 of suburbs. So man, you keep it going, brother, all right? <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting some albums in the near future. But I was, I was in room 308 and I'm struggling, I'm wrestling with God, and I turned to Isaiah chapter 12, and God gave me a song in the midst of my struggle. And I, can I sing it for y'all? This is a song I wrote by myself in my dorm room in room 308 in suburbs when I was an RA. And here it goes. <clears throat> oh, Lord, I will praise you, though you were angry with me. Your anger has turned away, and you comfort me. Be 
is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my song. Oh, the Lord is my strength and my song. And I wrote that song in room 308. Right there, brother. that song in the midst of struggle and God gave me the song and I can't believe I, I'm singing that song here I struggled by myself in my room late at night and Isaiah 12 spoke to me and God gives us songs in the night. He gives us songs in the midst of the struggle. And one of the beautiful things, you know, Sinclair Ferguson, one of my professors, he gives this beautiful picture of the gospel. You know, when Jacob held on to God and says, I won't let you go until you bless me, my professor Sinclair Ferguson says that Jesus did the same thing. That Jesus wrestled with God the Father. And he says, God, Father, I will not let you go until you bless them. I will not let you go until you save them. I will not let you go until you give them your Holy Spirit, until you make them a temple of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, that we were enemies of God, and while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Christ died for us. Christ said, I will not let you go until you bless them. And that is the beauty of the gospel. Many of us want to change, want God to change our circumstances or deal with people in our lives who gives us problem or stress. But God wants to work on you first. He wants you to change. You know, Jacob prayed for God to change his circumstance. He said, God, deliver me from the hand of Esau because I'm afraid of him. He can attack me and my family. His army is too numerous. But God doesn't directly address his immediate circumstance, but he blesses him by changing his name and confirming his promise to him. God humbled Jacob through suffering. No longer will Jacob be called supplanter, heel grabber, deceiver, cheater, hustler. But now he is called Israel because he has struggled with God and prevailed. And this word can also be translated God fights. I, I believe all of us are like Jacob. We've been given a name. You might have been called arrogant, lazy, a racist, ugly, not attractive, hypocrite, lazy, a mistake, worthless, or any other bad name that people has put on you. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to change your name. He wants to transform who you are and also how people view you. There are hundreds, when you, if you look at scripture, there are hundreds of names when God refers to his people 
And I'm only, I'm only going to name several of them. I can't even name the hundreds upon hundreds of names. A lot of people don't know their name. So let me tell you, if you are in Christ, let me tell you what your name is. You are beloved. You are his precious possession. You are his bride. You are a city, not forsaken. You are a temple of God. You are a new creation. You are chosen by God. You are a holy nation. You are the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ. You are the pure in heart. You are more than a conqueror. You are sons and daughters of the living God. My brothers and sisters, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer Jacob, but you are now called Israel because God fights for you. So why did God wrestle with Jacob? Why, why did God humble us? Why does he wrestle with us? Why does he make us suffer? Because my brothers and sisters, this is the way of the cross. Our greatest enemy does not lie outside of us, but our greatest enemy lies inside of us. That's why Jesus had to come. He had to come to defeat sin, our greatest enemy, so that we can be a dwelling place for, for God. Our hearts need to change before our circumstances change. You must walk with a limp before you can see where true blessing comes from. True blessing is not found in your grades. The true blessing is not found in your secret crush or your popularity on campus or you securing a job or that postgraduate opportunity or that in summer internship. But true blessing is found in wrestling with God. Enduring suffering, being broken and seeing Jesus before you, saying, you are my precious possession and I am with you even until the end. God wants to transform you and give you a new name. And that, my friends, is the greatest blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, O oh God, for the memories at Covenant College. I thank you for your, your people here. Lord, I pray that if there is any in, in this room who is wrestling with you, that you would let them know that you have initiated this struggle, that you have sought them out, that you have left the 99 to chase after the one, that you have uh, searched diligently for that lost coin, and that you are looking for people who would humble themselves, who would be willing for God to interrupt their lives. And so I pray that you would interrupt lives, but that you would also transform lives, that you will speak life where there's death, hope where there's, this, where there's despair, and that you would change the name of anyone in here who has been called a hustler, a heel grabber, a cheater, a deceiver, into the, the God wrestler one who has striven with God and prevailed. Lord, I pray that you would call out your people today and that you would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Thank y'all.